Hey friends, Pastor Sari here, coming to you for the sermon time, and I'm here via video today because, as many of you know, three and a half years ago in September of 2018, I sustained a concussion in a soccer game that became post-concussion syndrome, and PCS is a diagnosis that means that the symptoms of the concussion last a long time. And there's a lot that I've been through on my road to healing, so much that I've learned about my body, and a piece of that is learning that I have what neurologists call migraine brain, which means that there are triggers that can cause what they call a migraine, but really it's not like a traditional migraine, it's the the symptoms of concussion come back. And the biggest trigger for me is when my body gets bumped unexpectedly because my body, in its wisdom, it goes, hey, something happened, we didn't create that, and it it experiences that as another trauma and it slips back into fight, flight, freeze because it wants to protect itself. So I had a rather, I have a rather fragile existence in this world and even though I'm building a lot more resiliency through cranial sacral and trauma work that I'm doing, but um, I am getting stronger. But last weekend on Saturday, I had a significant bonk when I, in my kitchen, I stood up into a corner of um, a cupboard door. Yeah, we've all done that, right? And I kind of muscled through our amazing worship celebration last Sunday, but this week has just been hard and scary for me to be in some intense symptoms again. And those symptoms are definitely improving slowly, so moving in the right direction. And I do hope to ease back into most things next week. But preaching a sermon live on a Sunday is so much for my system to kind of do when it's in freeze and I I just can't take in all the sensory information that's coming at me and and then also like actually think and speak too at the same time. So I'm coming back to this very familiar medium of the pre-recorded sermon video, trusting that God works through this form of proclamation also. So thank you for your love and for your flexibility and your understanding, okay? Okay, so let's just take a breath together as we settle into this sermon time, Okay. And away we go. So, last Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, we celebrated the gift and wild mystery of the Holy Spirit. We celebrated baptisms for Henry Wolf, Robin Wolf, and Henry Lamb, three little guys, also honoring the light of Iris Wolf, Henry and Robin's sister, whose four short months here on this earth, she still, she still shines as our beloved sister in Christ who's with us now. And Sean Mobley affirmed his baptism as his own, claiming God's love and pride in him fully as a gay beloved. It was just a beautiful time together. And we read from Acts chapter 2 how on the day of Pentecost, what Jesus promised before he left came true. Jesus promised to send his spirit, which would be his presence with them in a new way. So the spirit of Jesus shows up on Pentecost as fire and light, and everyone is speaking in their own languages, yet they're understanding each other. And it's this moment of just drawing people together like never before. This presence of Jesus with them in a new way is given so that what Jesus began the restoration and reconciliation of all things on earth to God, like all of that, the spirit is given so that all that would catch and burn and spread like wildfire through what Jesus' followers would do. So through them. And it does. This way of Jesus catches on. This, it spreads like wildfire. And it's remarkable to watch what this early community of Jesus' followers do together in the book of Acts. As Peter and Barnabas and Paul and all of them, as they travel and teach and thousands of people say yes to this way of Jesus, 
after just like one speech and then it happens again and again, so many people are healed and fed and welcomed. Like the sheer volume of people who join, who come to believe and follow this way of Jesus is astonishing in Acts. And it's not only recorded in the Bible, there are historical documents from that time that attest to this explosive movement of the way of Jesus that rallied against the Roman Empire, stood up for the oppressed, and made a way of love. And the truly astounding thing, again, is just like how inclusive it was that this community went from being a mono-ethnic, nationalist community to a multi-ethnic global community, drawing people of every class, gender, culture, origin, ability. You know, that just didn't happen at that time. It's why as we spend time in the book of Acts this June, which is Pride Month, yes, happy Pride, we're calling this series simply Acts of Inclusion, for that's what this book is about, the spirit of God moving in this wildfire pace that sweeps across the Roman Empire with radical inclusion for all people. More and more room is made at the table for everyone. It's pretty amazing. So for this morning, today, we begin where we left off last week with the day of Pentecost. So before the missionary trips and all the spreading and including Really, there's this community of people who were just like trying to figure out what to do together. There was no instruction manual for how to use the Holy Spirit, but they did have something. Yes, many of them had been with Jesus. The apostles had been with them. And so they bring that discipled knowledge and experience of having been with Jesus into the rhythms and practices of their life together as they let this new mystery of Jesus' spirit also shape that shared life. And at the end of Acts chapter 2, right after that day of Pentecost, you read it last week, is this simple and gorgeous description of what this life together in community was like. So this is our reading for today. Um, I'm going to read it, and I invite you to just listen to and envision this description of life together. Acts 2, 42 through 47 from the NIV. They, Jesus' followers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Mm. It's just so good. Like, I feel like I could just read that passage every week. So this is what life together in community looks like for these folks who have learned from Jesus, who have just received the spirit of Jesus with them. Just isn't it something? So I'll be honest, like, can I let you in on how silly my imagination can be when it comes to things even like the Bible? Okay, yes, thank you. Okay, then I will. So, so when I can, I can imagine this text and I see the community with like, um, like a flash mob kind of energy. Like everyone is like joyous and synchronized and it's this choreographed life together and where everyone's smiling and like color coordinated and like popping their hip at the right moment, you know, as they sell their possessions and for those who were in need, right? And they move together from the temple back to their homes and they're like sharing in the meal as they pray and praise God and more people keep jumping into the dance. You can see it, right? 
Are you with me? Yeah, so it's like this, I just picture this glittery, like choreographed, like total perfection of a lived life together in community, right? So I just like, that's what I see. Of course, it was not like that, though thank you for indulging my imagination. Um, it wasn't like that. There likely was not any choreography, no hip-hopping, maybe from Peter. I feel like Pe Peter would do that. But we envision this kind of like synchronized vibe because we pick up on the warmth that's there in this community. Like you're just waiting for the chocolate chip cookies to come out of the oven, right? What we're picking up on is the openness that they had. Friends, would you please open your hands and rest them palms up on your lap and just keep them there for the next couple minutes. So we pick up on this openness of the Jesus community. Just look at what the text says. There was openness to learn. It says how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were open with curiosity, right? Open to learning. They were open to fellowship, to showing up and connecting meaningfully as their authentic selves. They were open to wonder and awe. And I love that it says this, right? They were looking for the miraculous things around them and they saw them. There was an openness with their money and stuff, right? It says they had everything in common. That means that they shared all that they had. Openness even to give away and sell things for those who were in need. So this really just self-giving generosity for the sake of those who needed it, yes? And also openness to show their need, those who were in need, let those needs be seen so that the community could be there with them in that need, right? So there's this openness to let that need be seen and to receive in that need. Also openness to eat together and share food. Openness to pray and ask God because they had needs. Openness also to enjoy. Did you pick up on that too? And openness to trust that the Spirit was at work beyond what they could ask, think, or imagine. They are open, can you see that? They are open to how this wild spirit of Jesus will use them. And they are open to how this wild spirit of Jesus will meet them in their need. So even though like, I picture it as like jazz hands and glitter, <laughs> and it feels warm and wonderful, what's actually described here is the hard work of authentic community, right? The staying open. The other word for openness is vulnerability. This community of the early church lived vulnerably. They held themselves open, vulnerable both to give what they could and to show their need and receive. So we come back to this posture of open hands here at Salt House. You know, we come back to it naming how this is how we hold ourselves in this life of faith. We are like open hands that it is a holding open, right, that we have in order to give, that we see what we have, all of our stuff, our resources, the gifts and skills and passions that we have, and yes, even our time, we hold all of it, all of who we are with open hands, letting our whole selves be available for that vulnerable life together to be used by this wild spirit. And we open ourselves vulnerably also to receive which for most of us is harder than giving, right? Who wants to show their need? Like right now, who wants to just, yeah, like most of us, we like compassion in theory, except when it comes to our own need to receive it, right? 
It's why we receive Holy Communion every Sunday. Like we're practicing showing our need as we walk up in front of everyone else with our hands open and extended and we receive from the spirit of Jesus. I know I need to practice receiving every Sunday. So what does that vulnerability in the early church's life together, like what does that do? Well, their vulnerability creates the conditions for more vulnerability. They practice being vulnerable and accepting of one another's vulnerabilities as Jesus had shown them, right? Creating the container where more welcome and acceptance and vulnerability can happen. That's the thing about vulnerability. Vulnerability begets more vulnerability. Vulnerability in community is then what fuels this remarkable movement of inclusion in Acts, the acts of inclusion. As the fire of the Spirit welcomes in everyone, it like feeds it in a way that more vulnerability can happen, and that's how it spreads. And you have experienced this, yes? How openness opens us. When a friend shares something hard or tender with you, you know, you feel safer to share too. When someone shows up in a generous way, man, you feel drawn to be generous too. Like we experience that here at Salt House, yes? When some of us are vulnerable, open, it creates a safe space for more vulnerability. Man, if I had a nickel for the number of times I've cried when someone shares their Salt House story here, like my own pain can rise up in me too in response to theirs, Openness brings more openness. This is what's happening when we light a candle and remember Iris Wolf and her light that still shines beyond her life here on earth. That's what ha- what's happening when Sean stands up here and claims God's pride in him for the sake of so many queer beloveds who have never heard that kind of acceptance. It's what's happening when our women gather on Wednesday evenings for tea and conversation and prayer. It happens in all of our groups when people show up vulnerably. It cooks up more vulnerability. It's what's happening as the prayer requests go out on our email prayer line and we weep and pray for healing in our community. It's what's happening when we return to the grief and gratitude walls to name the real pain and the real joys of our lives. It's what's happening when we stop and acknowledge and stand in celebration for our 14 graduates as they cross this threshold moment of their lives. So what's happening when we do this? Vulnerability is creating a safe container for more vulnerability. We open in response to openness. Through our open hands, open selves here at Salt House, we create a container of love here, a place of safety And it matters that we do this work with each other. As we see in the early church, those Jesus followers, they start a revolution of welcome and inclusion because they first do the beautiful, awkward, vulnerable work of staying open with each other, together in community. Figuring out, you know, who needs money or food or prayer, whose house are they eating at today. They create that community container of love that fuels all that energy that moves out and includes all showing us how the radical inclusion of Jesus out there begins with our own radical vulnerability with one another in here. Isn't that incredible? So my friends, those open hands of yours, are they still open? Today, can you take a moment and consider these hands of yours and get curious, asking God now, today, about how you're doing with keeping those hands open. 
Are you struggling to hold open and be vulnerable? Is it hard to give right now, whether to show up in a relationship or in service or with your time or with your stuff? Are you just too spent? Or maybe it feels harder to really unfurl those fingers and be open to receive about how you're struggling in some way, about what's hard, about a big question that you're wrestling with or in your illness or in your brokenness. Maybe it's both, giving and receiving. It's all hard. But ask God, God, where can I grow in my openness and vulnerability? What am I holding on to, close-fisted about? I ask because we are told in every way that we need to always hold it together, right? Look good, be good, have good things, don't be open. Close those fists, close off yourself, hang on to what's yours. Don't show weakness, hold it together at all costs. And yet we all hit the season when we just can't. And unwillingly, our hands are opened. You know, before I had my concussion, I thought I was like pretty vulnerable when it came to like preaching and leading. Like I love to talk about real stuff and I liked, you know, I'd, I'd name my struggles. But after my concussion, I realized how I really expressed a well-curated vulnerability like a little peek inside that I'm kind of comfortable with you seeing, right? And it wasn't until my brain stopped working and my world stopped that I actually really had to be vulnerable and show all of my need. And it was excruciating. Man, I've spent my whole life holding it together and suddenly I'm not supposed to, right? And every time I get stopped, again, like I have this week, by another trigger in my symptoms and I am like blown open again, it always comes right when I need to be reminded that I don't have to hold it together, and I can't. And I always marvel at what God does in a week like this. Like, it is so beautiful, but I also hate it when I am in it. It is so hard. I wept so deeply and wildly this week. And I know so many of us are in this kind of space too, where we don't want to be open like this, and it is so hard to live through it. Um, for me, my cranial sacral practitioner, who I saw this week, and it was really helpful, but she texted me saying, you'll be back soon and stronger. And she's not wrong. Like, this is what happens when we're open, yes. Maybe especially when we don't choose it by our ailing bodies, by experiencing homelessness, joblessness, loneliness, addiction, a broken heart. It becomes the doorway through which the wild spirit enters. The struggle becomes that container where we are met by God and where others are who come, who come to give in the midst of our times of needing to receive, they are also met by that same spirit in that container of vulnerability. And I bring this all up today because today is our annual meeting after worship. Once a year, we open our hands together and we say, these, these will be our leaders for this next year. And here, here is our budget, what we plan to spend and give to in order to do what we hear God calling us into together. It is holy, open-handed meeting every time. For we are saying together our yes to this continued life of Jesus Yes to showing up to give and share what we have and who we are. Yes to staying open also in our desire to learn and to grow. And yes to show our need and to be met by God through each other when we can't hold it together any longer. And I marvel at it. 
Salt House. What we have done in our seven short years of existence is remarkable. What the Spirit of God has done, it has been like wildfire in the ways we've created a place where we learn and we practice, and we practice Jesus' way of love that is radically inclusive of all people. And then in the last year, what we have seen in our giving growing by 28% in our loving care and service with one another in engaging homelessness at Kirkland Place next door, in our finding a way for anti-racism and queer advocacy, in the groups that have met and wept and laughed and grown together, in the online community that keeps showing up with open hands, my friends, I thank God for your openness and vulnerability. Like I see the spirit of God in you, in us, together. So as we do this together today, there's also something in this for you. Today we also ask God, God, what are you saying to us today? You get to ask that for yourself, even as we ask it as a community. What is the good news for you, for your heart in its longing in this moment to give, to receive? Staying open is not an easy way to live. There are no promises of greatness, not even of getting what we want. But every time we remain open, this is where the Spirit begins its work. So as you consider your hands, your openness, and how God has encouraged you to move forward, I pray you consider how God has invited you to open up to giving and receiving here at Salt House. It is remarkable what has happened here, what God is doing here and continues to do because of you. Showing up here with open hands will continue to fuel the work God calls us to in the midst of COVID and racial reckoning, violence against queer and trans beloveds, war in Ukraine, gun violence, all of it. What we do here fuels what we do out there. How is God inviting you to become more open? Let's figure it out together as we continue to live as salt and light as openly as we can together, with or without choreography and glitter. Amen? Amen.